Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Anonymous Investors Podcast. We have me, right? The almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And we have Stockman uh, to my left. How are you doing today, Stockman? What up? What up, pimps? Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. A lot of shit going on. A lot of stonks. A lot of news. Did you hear about uh, Biden basically forgiving uh, $5.8 billion in student debt? This is the biggest... Uh, Repraisal of, uh, or basically, uh, elimination of student debt in uh, U.S. history, and he basically eliminated, uh, he basically eliminated student debt from students that went to uh, Corinthian. He basically went to Corinthian colleges. Corinthian colleges were basically this incorporation that was founded in like uh, the nineties, I believe, like the mid nineties, around nineteen ninety five, and it included basically one hundred and five different schools, and they had like. 100,000 plus students in their colleges and they basically were uh, sued by the students and accused of fraud once uh, students wanted to transfer from the school and no school across the country would accept the uh, transfer credits because they basically weren't accredited uh, by the proper accreditation parties and uh, so basically Biden felt bad for all these people that got screwed from uh, going to these colleges and he decided to eliminate student loan debt from them but uh, here's the thing, though. Who's paying for the student loan debt that he basically discharged? I know you might feel bad for these people that got defrauded. They, they weren't able to transfer their credits. They're not able to use the skills they learned to get a job. But ultimately, it's going to come up to the people in society to pay for these people's shortcomings in evaluating uh, what college to go to. They didn't look at the accreditation when they chose the college. They didn't look at uh, teachers that, that taught at the college. And they didn't do their proper research. So why should everybody else in the country pay for their mistakes? And, you know, I think that's a big, big mistake. You have all these people that have student loan debt and, and that basically all these people that paid off their student loan debt. And now you're giving these people a free ride for their student loan debt. Meanwhile, they're just idiots who made a mistake. And, you know, this is a, this is the thing with politicians. They want to keep giving out freebies, freebies, freebies all the time. And they, they should look at what the majority of Americans want and and give that to them instead of basically suiting these uh, minority parties, these outspoken minority individuals. What do you think about basically Joe Biden uh, forgiving student loan debt and doing it in this creative way so that basically there wasn't as much of a backlash as there would be if you basically just forgiven student loan debt um, normally? Yeah, I think it's uh, an interesting situation. I think it's a really clever way to like walk people or to like ease people into slowly accepting like a blanket universal like student loan forgiveness program. Um, I'm very interested though in that whole situation with the uh, accredited. What is it like? You know, these universities they weren't accredited, right? So, like, did people not know or like did they not do their homework? You said these universities were prevalent in the 90s right so like how did this become a thing like how, how did this school how did any of these schools even blow up if they weren't accredited and how do people like fall victim to this type of thing like that's what i don't understand but as far as like forgiving it i think it's silly because the taxpayer is the one to foot the bill and i mean really the whole thing is kind of weird right because I, I think we spoke about this previously but like 
I always felt that um, like student loan debt should be able to be dischargeable, I guess I'd say. And the reason for that is um, it would tighten like funding criteria. So you wouldn't have people getting loans to study like, I don't know, what does Ben Shapiro say? Like lesbian dance theory or something like that. Some funny thing. Or Dave Ramsey says uh, left-handed puppetry. <laughs> That's my favorite of the ones that I hear these guys say as examples. But um, yeah, I mean, like it would just tighten lending criteria. But as far as these people, it's such a weird situation because it's like they said 560,000 borrowers um, accounted for $5.8 in Corinthian college student loans. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just an odd situation. I don't think that the taxpayers should foot the bill. But then at the same time, I feel bad because they got kind of screwed because these colleges don't have the same accreditation status as like, you know, a well-known or like prestigious university. And with that comes, um, you know, missing out on like valuable skills. But it, I honestly, at this point in time, you're going to laugh. You're going to love this. I think I think they shouldn't forgive those loans, and I think they should just call it a stupid tax. It's like, are you stupid? Yes, then pay for this. Like honestly, it's just a stupid tax. Yeah, I mean exactly. They they they're the ones that took out the debt, and they should be responsible for it. And you know, I'll give you one better. Why doesn't the government just get out of the uh, business of loans altogether? They're propping up uh, loans. They're giving people out loans, and they're allowing colleges to artificially inflate the price of the school because they're backstopping these loans and they're giving people uh, access to capital that they wouldn't have. If they didn't have these loans, then basically um, there wouldn't be as much access to capital and these colleges uh, would have to lower their prices in order to meet the demand for uh, U.S. education. The government thinks they're doing a good thing like, oh, let, let everybody go to school, let everybody go to school, give them money, give them money. But no, there's a basic supply and demand uh dynamic uh supply and demand uh yeah supply and demand like a uh, ratio and you know they're causing the uh supply of capital to be totally out of whack with the demand ca causing the colleges to basically rake in money at the expense of the taxpayers right and it's such a and it's such a great example right like it, let's say i was going to loan you money and I was going to loan you $100,000, right? And maybe most people would say, oh, you know, God, I don't know about him. I'm not going to loan him $100,000, right? But I might say, oh, fuck it. I'll loan him 100000 You know why? Because his dad's Mark Cuban or his dad's some, like, billionaire dude, right? So I know that the collateral is someone who has, like, exponentially more money, or in this case, the government, where they pretty much have access to printing money and just creating monetary policy or fiscal policy, to just continuously loop this process. Now take that exact scenario and extrapolate it, you know, 10 million times, 20 million times. And that's exactly what's going on with like the whole student loan thing. Um, so it, it's just such a shady business too. Like if you look at the salaries of, if you haven't looked at this, you should look at it. But if you haven't looked at like the salaries of like the top admins at the school, and by that, I mean, administrators are like, the people on the board or like the vice provost and the presidents of universities, they make fucking stupid money. I think the president of Harvard makes like 10 million a year or something like that. I could be completely wrong. It's like five or 10 million, some like crazy number. And it's just like, dude, you don't do anything. Like <laughs> literally the faculty, like the heads of each respective like department, you know, they kind of run shit. 
and he's just chilling at the top, like collecting a check. It's just like, okay, dude, you know, the whole thing is just kind of shady. A lot of uh, shadiness with that with college, but I know that there's a whole bunch of stuff with that that we could go on forever about. But and on that same line of uh, talking about shadiness with loans, so I don't know if you remember this, the good folks over at Wells Fargo. <laughs> Dude, Wells Fargo is just the key, the gift that keeps on giving. Like, I'm not even kidding you. So Wells Fargo got caught because they were hosting, allegedly, of course. It's all alleged. It's all alleged. It's all alleged. Wells Fargo don't come from my ass, right? But uh, supposedly, Wells Fargo got caught hosting fake interviews for minority candidates and women. So they knew that they weren't going to hire these people. But so they hit like quotas and they kind of insulate themselves from having um, any type of lawsuit from a minority group. And by minority group in this case, in this case, I'm talking about like a racial minority or um, ethnic minority or women to insulate themselves. They would host these like fake interviews and they got caught and the whole thing was blown. Um, I, I think it was a whistleblower who reported to like the New York Post and a few different other outlets. And uh it, it just seems like another scandal has hit Wells Fargo. And I got to be honest, at this stage of the game, I'm not surprised. Like, to me, the Wells Fargo brand went from being, like, very wholesome and, like, folksy. And um, it seemed that Buffett kind of was the same way for a while. And he's since distanced himself because he realized that they're not what they portrayed themselves to be for many years um, in both, you know, lending and, uh, we saw they had that fine that they paid for churning accounts. And I think John Stump was the CEO at the time. He had to step down and it's a whole lot of scandals and, you know, controversies going on with that. Um, but it, it just seems that everywhere this company goes, there's just another scandal around the corner. It's fucking unbelievable. And especially in the banking sector where people already like the general public already can't stand banks. It's like you literally could just like fucking sneeze the wrong way and everyone's going to have a fit, especially after 08, dude. No one trusts banks in America anymore, and they're just adding more fuel to the fire. It's pretty remarkable. Well, I mean, why should anybody trust banks? These banks, are con they constantly get into scandals. They're constantly getting fined. You look at another bank, Deutsche Bank recently got – they got fined for greenwashing their, um, greenwashing their funds. So basically – uh, certain investors or whatever they they want to invest in these econ uh like economically friendly uh companies and and etc. So like these banks will raise uh they'll raise funds to basically invest in these economically you know friendly securities. And basically Deutsche Bank was basically um they had these funds. They said that they were like economically friendly. Uh, it was an economically friendly f fund, but they basically weren't investing in these uh economically friendly companies so they got they got in trouble with that and they they got raided in uh in frankfurt basically the german police went and raided their uh headquarters and then you with goldman sachs you saw that as well with uh one mdmb with a guy uh that was the malaysia wow. fund right yeah how the guy was like okay. uh laundering money from uh malaysia through goldman sachs so you see these banks they have they're always getting into these scandals and you know they, they basically getting fined is just the cost of business for them. And the um, the Deutsche Bank thing that you're referring to, 
is that like an ESG designation? The, that's the um, environmental social governance, uh, you know, identification that companies are being aligned with right now. Is that what that is? ESG? Uh, yeah, they, they, they basically had to invest in a, uh, into, into ESG companies. So it's it basically, it's easier to raise money. If you say you're starting a uh, hedge fund or whatever, or some kind of like you're trying to raise like capital, it's easier to raise money. If you say you, you're basically investing in economically, uh, friendly, uh, things, basically they want, people want to deploy their money in, uh, economically friendly things like BlackRock ref will refuse to, uh, invest in companies that have uh, carbon or whatever they won't invest in uh things that are not economically friendly so there's there's like a limited access to capital so if you're able to lie and basically greenwash your funds and say oh they're economically friendly when they're not then you could get the benefit of being economically friendly without giving up the upside of uh basically returns okay that makes sense so they lied and they said that they were investing in esg companies and the german police raided them and found that they weren't obviously right exactly yeah that's what okay they were but here's what i have to ask you and we we did talk about this a little bit with and this was in a prior episode i recommend you go back and listen to this but um for esg companies right like do we put a lot of faith in the people who review and implement that designation in other words do we think that a lot of the like i'll give you a great example like exxon mobile for whatever fucking reason is in like an esg index right and to me esg i think of a company that's doing well profitably profitability wise i should say but also not like i don't know dumping oil into the fucking environment like <laughs> or like causing oil spills and stuff like that so i'm kind of looking at it and i'm like kind of looking at it sideways it's like isn't exxon mobile in the esg index for the s p 500 but tesla isn't like how does that work it's it's basically all it's all a fraud if you look at even consumer consumer reports and how um they basically rank like the safety of cars or whatever they're basically corrupted by advertising and basically advertisement so like since tesla doesn't advertise they gave tesla basically an f on their consumer report score meanwhile tesla is the safe uh, the safest car because it has self-driving and it basically saves lives meanwhile they put out like oh tesla uh self-driving accident you know causes the death but they don't they don't look at the millions of times that it saved somebody that was maybe drunk or saved somebody that from uh committing an accident who's not a good driver and you know that's the problem you don't know what's uh you don't know the times that you save people but you know the times that it got into the crash so i think it's all it's all basically a fraud so basically so basically if you're not um in line with the agenda and in line with the narrative being pushed they're going to use that score and hold it over your head so i'm getting into like super hypotheticals now right but hypothetically hypothetically right what would happen if you oh hmm let me look at it this way this is what i think and i might be a little kooky thinking this right but who's to say like it's such a subjective thing esg right it's not like a fundamental uh analysis like ratio 
there's no sort of like empirical data to it. It's just someone there or a group of people, a collective sitting there and going, you know, we're going to give you an A or we're going to give you an F or somewhere in between that range, right? So it just seems like a really subjective way to like grade companies and to like manipulate their stock, like for publicly traded companies anyway, that is. Like it doesn't look like it's anything more than that. Like how do you rate a company's ability? Think about that. How do you rate a company's ability to like, to be either like carbon neutral or do positive things for the environment and like quantify that? Like, I don't understand that. How do you quantify how much waste you don't emit? Like that makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, I, I think we're in the, the early days of this. I think the SEC should uh, provide uh, more uh, guidance, basically, how, how this disclosure should be done. And these carbon credits, where these companies are buying carbon credits from basically uh, rainforest in like the Amazon or whatever, that, that's all bullshit because they basically uh, polluting the environment and then they buy these carbon credits. And there's basically no... Um, auditing to see how many times these carbon these carbon credits were sold they could have been sold 10 15 20 times so are, are you really offsetting your pollution no there's basically an overselling of carbon credits duplicated uh 10 20 30 40 50 times so it's all this is all like you know we're early on in the process and we and we need a lot more guidance on basically how do we keep track of these carbon credits how do we make sure they're not being duplicated how do we make sure that uh these ESG requirements are basically standard across the industry and and because you need standard requirements you can't just have a subjective uh score that doesn't make any sense because you, you as you said you saw Exxon Mobil you know on ESG list meanwhile Tesla the most economic the most uh eco-friendly company there is not on the list yeah and you brought up the Amazon right the Amazon rainforest and um I don't know if you saw this but, you know, people, they like to go to South America, they go to the Amazon, right, and vacation. I guess people do that a lot, right? That's, like, kind of a thing, like, nice tropical environment. But I don't know if you saw this, but um, it recently came out that uh, there was a report that came out. Quite a few news outlets were saying that if you post on social media, you could invalidate your homeowner insurance, which I found fascinating, right? Because <laughs> literally you go on Instagram or whatever, especially in the summer, and like you go on stories or like you go on, you know, whatever the normal posts on Instagram and you're scrolling through it and you just see people like posting, hey, I'm in fucking Guatemala. Hey, I'm in Italy, wherever. Hey, I'm in Florida. And people are just posting constantly that like they're away. So homeowners insurance, they actually look at that and they're like, oh, oh, Jimbo Smith, he's posting that he's in Florida, but he has a house in New York. So now everyone that lives in New York that knows him and knows where he lives and knows that he's not home. So they know now is like a good time to rob him. So it invalidates your insurance. That's some fucking like next level fucking thinking for the insurance providers, especially because I feel like people are so stupid to like tell people that, I mean, you're basically all social media is, and I don't care what anyone says, people could argue with me all day, but all social media is, is like, I think it's the government funding a way or funding companies and figuring out a way to get people to like willingly give up their information um, and making it socially unacceptable for people that don't do so. I think that's what it is. And I think it's just, as Snowden said, it's just social media companies are just surveillance companies that found like a clever way to rebrand. And I think when he said that, I was like, that's it. 
like he hit the fucking nail on the head. And I just find it funny how, I mean, people are just so willing to like give up all this information to, to go as far as to show people for really brownie points, right? Like social points, whether that's in the form of like engagement on a post or like someone slides up on the story and responds or like whatever to show your friends and family. It's like people are willingly going out of their way to like put their possessions or put their family or like put their community at risk just for like the social validation. I find that to be so bizarre. It, it just shows how weird the world is now, right? Yeah, I mean, you just called out, you just called out all the sheeple in the world. You just called them out, calling out all the sheeple. But well, it's uh, like it's like the great little Uzi Vert says, you know, modern day philosopher. He has a song, and it's called "Erase Your Social." And in the song, if if you read between the lines, he's saying that he only has social media because he's like a big time, like famous rapper, and he needs it for promo. And he says that if he was just a regular person, he wouldn't be on it. So he says the whole point of the song is he says, erase your social, like don't even bother with social media. And he's right. And there's a whole lot of other people who are like famous or popular or whatever. And they've gone as far as like outsourcing control of their social media and just handing all of it over to PR people. And then just kind of telling them like, yeah, I guess you could put that up. Like that would be cool to put up to show everyone or whatever. And they like distance themselves from it. And I totally get it. Like the average person doesn't need fucking social media. Like you don't need to tell people I'm on vacation. Come fucking rob me. Like, or I'm on vacation. Look what I did. Like, it's just a highlight reel. It's not reality. You know, it, no one ever posts on Instagram. Like, Oh, I had a tough time at work today. Or like, Oh, I'm so fucking bored or like whatever. No one does that. And the only people that do that are the people looking for attention. So Anyway, that's just my piece about that. I just felt like I had to say that. No, but yeah, I agree with you. If, if someone's stupid enough to do that, they should have their home insurance uh, policy canceled. You shouldn't be posting online that you're away. That's making yourself a target to get robbed. And you, you should have your home insurance policy canceled for doing something that's stupid because you're just a moron. You're an absolute moron and you're a character for doing something like that. But uh, yeah, social media, you know, it's it's a huge problem in today's society. You see these people, they're wasting their whole day away on social media. They're, they're not getting jobs. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, their their finger keeps going up. They're getting scoliosis of their finger because they keep scrolling so much. And it's a never-ending loop of scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The only reason you should have social media is, to, if, is if you have a business and you're advertising something and you need the social media page to basically get a lower customer acquisition cost to sell your product. You shouldn't have social media to uh, keep in touch with your friends and, you know, do this and that. If if you have friends, you should basically have a direct contact to them and you don't need a, a social media platform to uh, connect with them. All of this, like, oh, we need to stay connected, stay connected, stay connected. And Facebook's mission, if if you don't have their number or you, you basically you don't see them uh, that often, then, you know, they should you should be disconnected from them. You should basically swift away. You don't need to stay connected with somebody that you met fifty five years ago, and you and you're basically seventy years old. This interconnected world, you know, it's unnecessary. Yeah, and even if you look at um that, I love that you said that. Even if you look at like actual like science behind this, right, or like psychology, like human psychology. I love human psychology and science in general. I mean, I'm sure that everyone knows that by this point. 
but even if you take it a step further and you look at um like the there's a there's a theorem and it's it's not a theorem but it's like a, a psychological um uh concept I, I guess is a better way to put it and it's basically this thing it's called dunbar's number and it's like the number of relationships that you can actively maintain before hitting a point of like diminishing return and essentially spreading yourself too thin um and dunbar's number is 120. so if you look at like facebook or twitter or uh, not really snapchat but it's really like facebook twitter or instagram like most people have more than 120 people on there so it's like this whole weird thing where it's like you don't really know everyone you're connected to so why are you bothering you know and i'm totally with you anyone you don't talk to on a regular basis or somewhat regular basis like there's no reason to have them on any social media there's no reason to have any sort of you know ancillary method of like contact like there's literally no point at all it just seems so foolish that people go out of their way to do that like to connect with people old classmates or whatever you know it's it's nice to see every once in a while you're like oh i used to know someone i wonder what they're up to and then you see they're doing it right you know but i you know what i like i like when you do that and that happens but like you run into someone at the store or like you run into someone you know at the park and i don't need you on facebook i don't need you on twitter i don't need you on instagram like i hope you're doing well and i hope everything's going good but it's like I don't care that much about it that I want it in my face every day, you know, or I don't, I don't want it in my face. However often I'm on these platforms. And that's the same thing with these fucking NFTs. These people, they buy the board apes, right? The board ape yacht club NFTs. And then they just put it in your face and they just boop. It's, it's everyone's Twitter uh, picture now, right? It's everyone's Instagram thing. All the celebrities, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know if you saw Seth Green, he was going to do that Board Ape Yacht Club show. Did you see this? And uh, his, yeah, Adam, he got his, his, uh... his yacht got jacked. Yeah. They took his fucking Board Ape. They hacked his shit and they took it, right? And now they don't even know if they're able to release the show because he doesn't have the intellectual property rights. It, it basically, it's owned by the hacker at this point. So I don't know what they're going to do with that show. Yeah, it's crazy. So someone hacked him. And they got control of the IP and he already made the show and he was going to release it. And now he can't release it because he doesn't own the IP. So someone waited until he made the show. I guess they got tipped off and then they fucking hacked him and stole it. So now he can't put the show out because they own the IP. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it also sounds like, you know, in, in this kind of uh, demented kind of way, it sounds like a good marketing technique to basically get your 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 nft stolen right before the release 100 percent. send it to a fucking burner wallet oh it's hacked oh it's hacked and then you fucking send it back and then, and you then go, eventually oh, he gets it back it. eventually like you know they come up with a yeah. thing and they say, magically oh, get it back yep. oh I, I thank you everyone i got it back because like nobody heard of this show nobody even heard of the show before his nft got hacked so it's, it's like a great marketing technique i never heard of it until he got until he got his nft hacked i don't think anybody heard of it exactly exactly my point yep and supposedly Gary V was like a guest in the show. He did like some kind of a uh, voice in the show. But there was also another hack of the Board API called. They basically Discord got hacked, and you know, an, an attacker got off with like uh three hundred and sixty thousand dollars or two hundred ETH worth of uh, NFTs. And you know, basically it was a uh, the the uh, project's community manager on the Discord. This guy Boris, 
he basically had his Discord account compromised, and then uh, because his account was compromised, somebody sent uh, phishing links in the Discord, and these people clicked on the links, and they got their uh, NFT stolen basically because they signed off. They basically clicked the link and they signed off on the um, the signatory. They signed off that uh, to basically transfer the uh, NFTs to uh, other uh, wallet. And this is this is a good lesson too that you should you should when you're signing something when you're basically signing something in your uh, wallet, you have to watch who you're signing basically who you're signing to and what you're signing for. And you know this guy on. Uh, this guy on Twitter, he put it a good way. He said, you didn't lose your NFT because you used Discord. You lost your NFT because you signed a malicious transaction with your key. Stop blaming Discord. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming Yuga Labs. And basically, uh, get get your fucking brain together and stop repeating the same mistakes. That, that's that's a, uh, a good point. And he made this guy, Evets.eth. Very smart individual. Take yeah, I mean, he, he nailed it. Personal responsibility, accept culpability for you being a dumb shit and sharing your key. The first rule of crypto, if you have anything in cold storage or in personal storage, is you never share your keys with anything. Never. It doesn't matter. Some crypto uh, companies that specialize in cold storage, they even go as far as to say, literally when you make the fucking account, they go, even when you update it, even when you do this, never share your keys. Never, never, never. Never share your keys. Never share your seed phrase. Never share any of that shit. They tell you off the fucking rip. And they'll even put it like if you use a, a cold wallet or anything like that, they'll tell you in the software that you use to access the wallet. They, they literally put it in front of you and put it in your face to the point where it's like... It's like... It's the most ridiculous thing. It's like you got to know. It's almost like knowing to look both ways before you cross the street. It's like it has to be so innate and so ingrained in your fucking head that you just know not to do it. Like in this sense, like not to share any of the keys or, you know, the seed phrases or anything like that. So it has to become like second nature to you. Like I use the example of crossing the street. Like, what well, you know, you look both ways. You're like, all right. Cars aren't coming, we're good. And then you cross the street. It has to be second nature to you. Okay, don't share personal information with randoms on the internet. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> and the odds are, if someone's sending you a fucking Discord link and all of a sudden you magically have to put in information, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? I like, Discord. seriously, do you not think sure, the right? person is connected to the company where you bought the thing? No, no. Because people on Discord, like... Think of it like this. Well, Hugo thing, Labs under- is not going to send you a Discord link for for something you bought. Like, that's just not how it works. Like, there's no company that has customer support or any type of, like, customer um, service relation where you're using fucking Discord. That That's not a thing. Like, that's not a, a multi-billion dollar company like Hugo Labs is not no, going to use Discord for they customer do, they support. Do Discord. They do? Yeah, most. So the guy, it was the okay, guy's so account. Basically, his account got compromised, and it was published like it was the individual on his account. That's why a lot. That's why. A why lot are they using Discord? Because a lot of NFT. That's fucking really Discord. dumb too. 
To be honest with you, that's pretty dumb. You know what my rule is? I'll tell you what my rule is, and then you tell me what you think, okay? Do you know what my rule is? Seriously? My, my rule, and maybe I'm crazy. My rule is I don't like groups. I'm not a group guy. I don't want anything to do with people in a group. I don't want to join your little Discord. I don't want to join your little fucking coffee clutch. I don't want to join your little fucking committee. I'm buying my good or service, and I'm staying the fuck away from everyone else. And that's it. That's how I like it. You know, why do I need a Discord? Oh, do I have a question? Oh, yeah? You want a question? Read the fucking FAQs. That's it. I'm not I'm not a group guy. Don't be a group guy. And then you, you'll never run into that problem. You got to be a lone wolf ranger. That's what you got to be. I mean, here's the thing, though. If you're not, if you're going to sign off on someone to click a link, you should have a wallet where you have most of your, like, you know, most of your assets in, and, and you just never connect it to the internet. If you're not sure of a link, you should have another, put a $20 in the wallet, right? Go to whatever Uniswap, whatever in exchange, get $20 in, in the wallet, and then click on a link and, you know, limit your downside. If you get scammed, then they, they can only clean out the wallet, which has $20 in it, or like 0. .000 or whatever ETH. You, what did you, you just talk about last time? You just mentioned, and then you nailed it last time. You mentioned something along the lines of how you could have like two people sign off for one transaction, or like five people sign off for one transaction, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you have that enabled? Well, I like, mean, you know what I mean. People, that wouldn't help in this situation because these people knowingly signed off on a transaction because they thought it was the creator of Collapse. So they got like, yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. The point is you should limit your downside by basically anytime you're signing off on a transaction, you should have just the required amount to basically uh, do the transaction. Nothing more. You shouldn't be signing off on a transaction with a wallet with $500,000 in it. That doesn't make any sense. That's just basically you're asking to get scammed. You you should put, you should have a wallet where you put the required amount in to uh, basically uh, commit the transaction. And then, Nothing more, so that you limit your downside of what you can get scammed for. Yeah, I gotta be honest too. The whole Discord thing—I'm blown away that they, a multi-billion-dollar company, was using Discord for like customer service and claims and whatever. I'm blown away by that. I know that service. a lot of people. I know that a lot of people in that space um, use Discord. Discord's mostly like gamers and like coders and shit like that. For the most part, and now like some crypto people, right? But um, I'm just blown away that like they don't have their own infrastructure built out because at this stage of the game, I mean, this isn't this this isn't the first time Discord was like hacked, like where someone got in on like a server or whatever. There's been so many um, Discord hacks over the years that it's just getting out of hand at this point, and it really seems like that infrastructure isn't good for anything pertaining to like personal information or in this case um you know protection of like digital assets or like wealth if you want to call it that yeah but discord wasn't hacked it was the guy who who, it was the the guy who basically was the um owner of the platform not not the owner i get it i'm just saying that i don't think people should use discord in general for anything pertaining to stuff as sensitive as the situation we're currently but talking this, about but this is like this is not even really discord's fault at, at all like a zero percent discord's fault it basically 
the the owner of the uh the owner of the basically account got compromised so if it was on any other platform it would have the same thing would have happened right right but i'm just saying as a rule of thumb i don't think even like this you're right this could have happened on facebook this could have happened on twitter instagram doesn't matter where it happened doesn't matter but i just think that discord really shouldn't be trusted with stuff like this just because of how like fucked they are in the past like you know how how someone got into the hacker's account could have happened on any other platform like you said but i don't i don't think discord could be trusted uh you know in any other facet like i think it's very easy to like crack in there and people seem to have figured that out so oh speaking about discord i know you you say uh, you don't use discord but um there's there's this discord group about this guy who basically scammed a lot of people this guy uh uh, zadea kicks have you heard of him yeah the guy is a total shithead um and he was known in the sneaker community um you know i heard he lives out in oregon um you know supposedly has some ties to nike right um you know and he was just like a backdoor like uh pre-orders guy and this guy from what i heard total slime ball he you know he had like fake frank mueller watches fake aps fake rolex like he would walk around and he'd flex on instagram and he thought he was a big shot was you know hundred thousand followers where you know 80k were bought fake accounts of course um you know and this guy like what he would do is from what i heard is he would basically uh take people's money for pre-orders right at a price that is lower than the retail price and then he would use that money as like an interest-free loan and then lend it out to people and then collect interest in excess of the difference between the amount that you pre-ordered the, sh- the shoe for and then what he lent that person the money at. So if he lent the, let's say that he's selling you these sneakers at a 20% discount, that means that he's got to lend this money out at 25 or 30% to make money, right? But I think what was going on was that he was just running a Ponzi scheme to like churn, allegedly running a Ponzi scheme to like churn his revenue. So what he would do is like, he would get you the sneakers you wanted or he would cancel and give you a store credit and he would do that and take a loss but he had to get new money coming in to keep the ponzi scheme going so he could just keep boosting his revenue and then take out loans on the company you know for the company and then just use the loans to like line his own pocket i think that's what was going on in all likelihood but this guy is like really shady because he has connections allegedly has connections to people like very high up at Nike, like pretty much like Nike royalty from what I heard. So there's like a lot of weird shit going on on Twitter where people are calling him out. And there's a lot of people who had a lot of money with him. One of the biggest pre-orders I saw was someone pre-ordered. It was like some type of off-whites, but they had a $1.2 million pre-order for off-whites. And I'm like, bro, do you really think you're getting like 4,000 pairs of these? Like that's not going to happen. There weren't even 4,000 pairs made for that drop. I think there were like 2,500 or 3,000 or something. And this guy pre-ordered 4,000 fucking pairs. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, then there's people out 100,000, people out like 70,000. But from what I heard, this guy's a total fucking slime ball. Um, the sneaker community is in shambles because of this. 
And I think that this guy is going to be in big trouble because he's playing with the wrong people. Um, you know, That's this right. is not a community. This is not a community that, you know, when they're wrong, they get together, they hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Um, and I think it's not a community that's going to wait for the slow turning wheels of justice to move. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at some of the people in the community, like there, there's been a lot of worse things that happened to people over transactions as trivial as like 200, $300. So I don't think these are the people to play with. So I think he's in a world of trouble legally and, uh, you know, in, in the court system. And I think he's, uh, you know, potentially in a lot of trouble in the street system too. So I actually, I actually got scammed by this guy of uh, firsthand, this, this fucking guy, my, Michael, uh, Malexander. He got, he got his company taken over, um, taken over by the FBI. They confiscated his website. It's under, uh, a receivership right now. That's not allegedly, that is a fact. He got his company confiscated by the uh, FBI. And yeah, he what he was basically running upon this scheme. None of this allegedly shit. He he was doing it. It it is truthful. It, and you know, he's basically asking to dissolve his LLC in the uh, court of Oregon. And you know, I think he's got he's a, he's in a whole bunch of trouble. You know, if he doesn't start selling off those Porsches that he was that he has and those fucking watches, and the McLaren, you know, right? He's gonna be going to jail for a long time. Fuck that McLaren. Get that McLaren out of here. He, he thinks he's gonna flee the country. The FBI is gonna track down his ass. He's gonna he's gonna get himself into a lot of trouble here. But uh, th this is a lesson for everybody that you should use PayPal when committing transactions. And if it gets close to the PayPal protection limit, then you should just basically uh, go to the resolution center and s submit for a refund. Don't trust anybody. Always protect yourself with payment methods, and you know, don't let anybody uh, scam you. But uh, yeah, this guy. Yeah, know. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off that for a second. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I I have to say this. Like I've done so many transactions on PayPal, and I've had so many disputes over the years. Like PayPal's a fucking shit, right? Like if you're a consumer and you buy something and you get fucked, like PayPal will go to fucking bat for you. It it's the greatest thing ever. Usually they'll go to bat for you. Usually. So um, here's what I recommend to everyone if you hear this. When you buy something, right, you have 180 days. Write down the date that you bought the fucking thing. Fucking write it down. I don't care if you're like, this is definitely going to work. This is the best thing ever. You're fucking writing it down because I told you to do it, okay? You're going to write down today's date. Boop, boop, boop. Bing, bing, bing. You write that down. Boop. And you put it in your phone calendar. Now what you do is you create a reminder and you set the reminder for four months from that date or four and a half months from that date. And now if you're having issues with a thing or if you're just like regularly checking up, you'll see the reminder. And when you see the reminder, you go, am I having issues with that thing still or is everything fine? Okay, everything's fine. Okay, now what you do is you put another reminder and you put it two weeks from six months so it'll be five months and then two weeks or whatever now at that point you put another reminder and you say okay this is my last call or whatever am i having problems okay i'm not having problems fine because paypal guarantees purchase protection up to 180 days i'll show you how to take this a step further if you use a credit card if you use a, a very high level 
credit card, you know, one of the premium cards you pay an annual fee for, whether that be uh, American Express Platinum or Chase Sapphire Reserve. One of those two are really, you know, there's a few really good ones, but those are the two premier ones. Those are like the top, you know, hard hitters. Those will give you purchase protection for goods and services not received up to 540 fucking days. So now what happens is you have a two layer of protection. You have PayPal to go to immediately and request money from if the transaction falls within 180 days. And if PayPal denies the claim, then you just go right to the credit card provider. Go right to Amex. Go right to Chase. Explain the whole thing. Hey, bought this thing. Guy never uploaded a tracking number. Boop, boop, boop. And then guess what? Now they got the Amex goons knocking down his door. Where's my money? You know, blah, blah, blah. Now they go after him. And that's it. That's all you do. And this is the reason why you never use a debit card. My rule of thumb is anything over $100 that is not a direct consumable. In other words, basically not food, right? Or clothing or whatever. Even clothing you should use a credit card, honestly. But anything that's not like food related and the purchase is over and it's going to be over $100, you always use a credit card. Always, always. Unless, always. It doesn't matter. Just, just use it. Trust me, you're going to cover your ass and you're going to be happy because you'll have that fraud protection. You'll have that purchase protection. And what comes with that is having more people to help fight the battles and people who've been there. And maybe this is the first time you're disputing a transaction or you're charging back and you're scared and you don't really know what to do. That's what these guys are for. They're like lawyers. They're like lawyers that are sharks and they go to bat for you. And it's the best thing ever. Because you just submit the claim, explain what happened, submit your proof, and then you go like this. And you let them get to work, and that's it. And they work for free because they don't want to lose your business. Because if they lose your business, they're missing out on thousands or tens of thousands or possibly hundreds of thousands in revenue, in future revenue. So you got to remember that. You got to take advantage of that, and you got to be smart and cover your ass. CYA, that's the phrase of the day cover your ass. Yeah, here's the thing too, right? They're going to fight for you because the credit card is the bank's money. If you use a debit card, that's your money. They don't care about if you lose your money. They're there to protect themselves and, and their money. And another thing that, that needs to be said is if, you know, you got to trust your gut in, in whenever you're doing a business transaction or something. If your gut is telling you that it's something's too good to be true, or then it most likely is too good to be true. You know, you can't go against your gut. They, you know, humans have evolved throughout centuries and this gut feeling it's it's an evolutionary process to basically prevent somebody from uh getting themselves into danger or basically uh protect themselves so like your gut is never go against your gut your gut is usually like 100 percent correct and if you look at, at like these discord servers right there was this guy on youtube he added up all, all the people that sh showed receipts in the discord server he added up all the money that was lost and there was $25 million lost in the Discord server alone. Now, that doesn't even count the people that didn't join the Discord server that, that didn't mention how much they lost in Discord server. So it's at least $25 million. Then you have to look at all of the store owners because these consignment shops, they were basically ordering through him to get inventory. And, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to put out um, their business online that they were ordering from him because it's going to ruin their brain. It's going to ruin their reputation. It's going to make themselves not look good. It's going to make themselves look like they're idiots and morons, that they're unprofessional, that they're not uh, good business people, that they don't know what the hell they're doing. 
that you know they can't be a steward of your capital when you, and basically deliver uh, your product. And so they're not going to put that out there. And, you know, I think this is probably a $100 million plus uh, Ponzi scheme here. And, you know, I think we're going to see this evolve in the coming months. And, you know, I, I think this guy has to at least get 12 to 15 years in jail unless he basically has the money somewhere and he um, promises to refund the money to uh, customers to basically make everyone whole. I think, you know, the FBI will basically or for this guy a deal if he refunds some people and he makes people whole in this transaction. That's going to be basically uh, a deciding factor of how long this guy goes to jail is if he's willing to basically refund people's money and make them whole. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that he's in a world of trouble regardless of how you look at it. And on that same, you know line of thought <laughs> just with scams a lot of scams going on lately it's kind of gross right uh so our good friend you know doquan remember him with luna oh yeah so luna yes doquan or as i like to call him dumb quan I'm, I'm copywriting that right now if you hear this dumb quan i created it just know that you can be like dumb quan that's a fucking dope name that's i'm dumb quan okay no i'm not dumb quan <laughs> Doquan is Dumquan. But anyway, uh so Dumquan he you know that Terra was you know Terra Luna, right? They the whole thing collapsed and it was this whole fucking shit show. There was a surgeon that lost half a million dollars in, in his life savings. A surgeon. Half a million, unbelievable, right? Don't put don't put your life savings in a, a algorithmic stable coin, you know. Come on. Like you said before, they don't last, and they, none of them have ever worked. Follow the trend. The trend is your friend, as they say, right? So Dumquan and his uh, goon of idiots sat around, you know, fiddling around, uh, trying to figure out a way to, uh, I don't know, resuscitate Terra Luna, right? So they couldn't figure out a way. So you'll never believe what they did. So the original Terra Luna, if you look at the price of it right now, it's still less than a cent. It will never go beyond that, right? But they did a hard fork, and they made Terra Luna 2.0. And some of these crypto exchanges actually had the balls to add this bullshit on their exchanges, and it shot up to $30 a coin, right? And now it's down to like 6 or like 5 So it shot up like a rocket. And then immediately dropped 80% in less than a week. So it looks like Dumb Quan is pulling the same old Ponzi bullshit that he did with Terra Luna. And now he's just doing it as, oh, Terra Luna 2.0. And you know what the funniest thing is? I think that the 2.0 is still an algorithmic stablecoin. So don't be surprised if someone pulls a George Soros-style attack on 2.0 and sinks that one too just to fuck this guy over again well, it's, it's, not it's such, a, such a joke not that they have the balls to list on their platform it's they have a financial incentive to list on their platform you look at binance they invested 300 million dollars in terra luna so they're, tr they're trying to basically recoup some of the investment that they put into the coin so you know they're just scamming their customers at that point and at that point you have to look at the integrity of the platform and if you basically are buying from a platform that has no integrity like that then you know, there's something wrong with you. You you, you should take your money off of Binance. They're, they're uh, total scumbags and they're willing to scum. They're willing to 
uh, basically scam their customers for the benefit of themselves and recouping the $300 million that they invested. And they even promoted Terra Luna, you know, uh, religiously throughout this time saying, oh, it's a safe investment, it's stable, it's this and that. And they screwed their whole customer base. And I think they got a lot of explaining to do on how they scam their customers and they, they don't appreciate their customers and they should go out of fucking business. Finance my ass. I'm going to call them, right? Bias, because they're, they're the fucking scummiest company in the world. Yeah, I can't fucking, I gotta be honest, I can't fucking stand those clowns at Binance. Um, you know, a lot of people like that guy, CZ. He seems like a decent guy, but I, I, I don't know. Something about that platform from day one just, like, fucking rubbed me the wrong way. Like, really? Um, there's, like, there's like two or three platforms I fuck with, and that's it. I, I don't really fuck with anything else, you know? Stick to the big dogs. And, you know, Binance is a big dog, but again, they don't want to meet the criteria. Like, they don't want to, they want to deal with this 100 to 1 leverage fuck shit or, like, I don't know, a lot of this shady shit or, like, coins that are kind of, like, crap. Like, honestly, crap is an understatement. Coins that are shit. It's just, like, I can't fuck with that. I, I don't know. Something about it just screams, like, shady. And it just screams that that person who's in charge of listing some of these really shit projects on there clearly has like equity or like they're getting something out of it, like an under the table type of deal or, you know, something that's just not known to the public. There's a lot of shadiness going on in the world and, oh man, it doesn't seem to be getting better, but hopefully we'll get better and we'll see uh, some brighter days coming up, right? Well, we know where Binance operates, right? China. China. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. As the Brits say, you're right, you're right. And on that note, thanks again for hanging out. It's been another episode of the Anonymous Investors Podcast. I am Stonk Man, joined always by Almighty, All Powerful, All Knowing. Jesus Christ, oh. out loud, loud, loudy. The lesson of the week is, right? Protect your CYA. Protect your capital. CYP. Right? Protect your capital as you protect your life. CYA, CYP. Cover your ass. Cover your profits. Oh, I thought I was going to say cover your penis. (laughs) Well, that too. That's pretty important. All right. Peace out.